0: Damn, it felt good. (laughs) Uh, Have them behind us fully. A lot of big plays on offense, defense. I had young guys out there making plays. Uh, You couldn't couldn't ask for a better uh, setting to have a a great game. And so those those guys have balled out on all three phases. And it's going to be talked about and remembered for a while. And uh, with with that comes the responsibility to keep on doing it. Know, that consistency, and I think we have the guys in the room to, to do that.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, great team win uh, in all three phases. Uh, you know, that's, that's what we've been, uh, like, stressing, you know, like, hey, listen, like, we got a lot of time left, you know, and, and just find a way to just play one good play after one good play after one good play in all three phases. And I think today we, we really did that, uh, played very complimentary. Uh, um, yeah, and I think, I think the emotions in the locker room after the game was um, – Warranted.
0: What is happening everybody? Welcome in to a Victory Tuesday edition of your OBR Film Breakdown podcast as the Cleveland Browns win 32-13 over the Cincinnati Bengals and let me tell you, I should remind you, I'm your host Jake Burns and today is November 1st, got ahead of myself a little bit, so excited to record a winning episode after it has been a long month of uh, of losing as the Browns have lost four straight coming into this game. But the Browns put it together, primetime football game when they needed to, and they deserve a ton of credit for the performance in this game, which I thought was spectacular on both sides of the football, especially the defense, which really, really confused the Bengals all night. Held them to 229 yards and two turnovers. We'll dig into that here in a little bit. But, I mean, for what the Browns needed, for where things had gone this year, the, the scenario tied to... You know, the two and five record and the looming bye week and all of that. I thought the way they showed up and performed in this game was really admirable. We've been tough on the Browns this year, rightfully so, as they've let four games by nine points slip away and cost themselves wiggle room going into the second half of their schedule that they really needed as the three looming uh Miami, Buffalo, Ball and, and, and uh Tampa Bay Games are going to be very challenging, so they needed to leave themselves some wiggle room when they didn't. So nonetheless, that's neither here nor there, but what I wanted to talk about is if we've been hard on them, then we need to praise them, and they deserve praise for this game for the way they performed, which was, uh, was again, really, really, really well done on on all sides of the football. Some things that we can nitpick, which we'll talk about and we'll especially talk about in the coming comprehensive breakdown your next episode, but I, I mean, I, I got to say again, Really, really well done. We'll go through the stats, and and then we'll talk through some of the game script and some of the stuff around this game, too. So, um, you know, what jumps off the page? First downs. My formula talk of uh, all year, if you've paid attention to anything I've said, and some of you have probably tuned out some of the losses, but... I've talked about it all year. They have to be an efficient third-down team, 50% or better. They have to have 15 or more offensive plays, 10 at the minimum, but 15 or more offensive plays usually signifies a pretty dominant performance for them. They need 10 or more minutes of possession. That also is the part of the formula, having the, the football more than your opponent and then the, the um, turnover battle, right? You can't lose the turnover battle for this team. And when you look through the stats, a ton of things pop up. They had 24 first downs. 8 of 13 on third down. We'll touch uh, on that 8 of 13 here in just a minute. Phenomenal. 8 of 13 on third down converting. 440 net yards. Again, that pops off the screen, which you love to see. On the flip side, Cincinnati only had 15 first downs. They were only 4 of 10 on third down and only had a total net yard outcome of 229. The Browns had 69 offensive plays to the 50 for Cincinnati. A 4.6 yards per play for Cincinnati and a a whopping 6.4 for Cleveland. The Browns held the Bengals to 36 net rushing yards. Cleveland went for 172. Net passing, because you take off Burroughs sacks, in which there were five sacks in this game. Only 193. Cleveland threw for 268. Six penalties for Cleveland to two for Cincinnati. It was a weirdly called game. I thought some stuff was left on the field. A couple ticky-tack calls, but some stuff was left on the field they could have called. Two turnovers for each team. Amari Cooper with a, with an interception thrown on the uh, trick play there, which we'll talk about. And then um, another turnover on the fumble is what it was ultimately ruled uh, before half. The fumble uh, that gave the football back to Cincinnati there uh, that was on a mug front. And again, something we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, four punts to Cincinnati for only two for Cleveland. Four touchdowns, Browns, only two for Cincinnati. Both teams missed a field goal. Cleveland made one of their two. And then, um, yeah, that wraps up the stats. And and again, like, the stuff that pops off the page. You know, you, you talk about Nick Chubb getting 23 carries for 101, two touchdowns. You know, you go back and look at the last two weeks when people have sort of been at the peak of complaining about Nick not getting the football enough. And what do you see? Well, you see 16 first downs in the game they played against New England. So you you start to wonder, you know, the Browns have had two poor rushing games this year, 70 against New England, I think was their net total rushing. And then only 113 against Baltimore last week. Wasn't bad, but wasn't their usual standard, which six of eight games this year, the Browns have been up over 170 rushing yards. Well, look at the stats, 16 first downs. They went four of 15 on third down against New England. That means your drives are cut short. You don't extend those drives. And again, you're talking a a, a 4 of 15 mark or whatever, you're only 16 first downs. If you just get 8 more first downs, the Baltimore game, the Browns only go for 18 first downs as opposed to 24. They go 2 of 11 on third down. If you convert 4 more of those, if you say 2 of the next 3 plays are Nick Chubb carries, it times that over 4 um, you know, first downs that you're talking about is the difference. He goes from 16 carries to 25 easily. So the formula is, the Browns have to be better on third down. It's very plain and simple that's how you extend drives that's how you have more first downs that's how you get more rushing attempts if you're on the field and off the field in three plays you obviously are going to see a very small number of running back carries it's pretty simple so I just kind of wanted to point that out as there's you know you look people will talk this week about well they got Nick to 23 carries that's why they won not not exactly i mean there's there's more to it it's third downs it's successful throws that lead to first downs that then give you more opportunities to hand the football off. So I think it's always important to sort of touch base on that. Talking rushing stats, Nick 23 for 101 and two touchdowns. Kareem Hunt 11 for 42. Donovan, uh, sorry, uh, take that back. Dearness Johnson gets four carries late in the game for 17. And then Jacoby Brissett had six attempts, including multiple sneaks for 12 yards. obviously. Also got in the uh, touchdown department on that scramble rolling out to his left, which was a really fun moment to cap off that second half opening drive. So really strong rushing performance, 172 collectively. Brissett, highly efficient, 17 of 22, 278 in the touchdown. Again, you can't, I kind of tweeted about this, about how much I just enjoy Jacoby Brissett. A very flawed quarterback, really not going to take you to the places you really ultimately want to go because of, you know, some handling of stressful situations in games and things of that nature. But he plays hard. He's extremely likable by not just his own team, his own teammates, but but the opposing team. You could see this respect for Cincinnati uh, that Cincinnati had for him. And he's just extremely likable and he plays hard. And and that's what you want. And that's a that was a quality of Baker Mayfield that I also appreciated was how hard he played. But Jacoby's the same way. And that's you know, he comes with a really genuine approach to everything. And again, he's limited, he's not going to take you to the places they think Watson's going to take him, but you appreciate what he does, how much effort, how much he cares about it. I think it's important to talk about that with Jacoby Brissett. He played so well in this one. Uh, Amari Cooper had seven catches, sorry, seven targets his way, five catches, 131 a touchdown. Donovan Peoples Jones collected all four of his targets for 81 yards. Kareem Hunt, four for 30. David Bell two for twenty-seven. Mike Woods gets uh, his second NFL catch, one for six, and then Nick Chubb caught a swing pass. He had one for three. On the Cincinnati side, Joe Mixon held to eight attempts, twenty-seven yards. Samaje Piran got one run for seven. Burrow got out for one run, two yards. On the game, Burrow twenty-five of thirty-five, two thirty-two. So a really, I mean, talk about it. Jacoby Brissett seventeen completions for two seventy-eight. Burrow twenty-five completions for two thirty-two. So not much going on per complete or per attempt. And Burroughs' regard here, and he was under pressure all day. I haven't seen the pressure numbers yet, but the pressure he faced was immense. Uh, T. Higgins at 3 for 49 in a push-off touchdown. Hayden Hurst, 4 for 42. Tyler Boyd, 3 for 38 in a touchdown. Seven catches for Mixon for 32. Tyler Irwin at 2 for 27. Chris Evans had a nice running back against linebacker. uh, Back shoulder catch, 1 for 26. Majay P. Ryan, 3 for 10. And then uh, we're going to skip the rest. On the defensive side for the Browns, Sione Takitaki deserves credit. That guy's playing good football when they really need him to be a uh, sort of stretching the limits of, we see him as a Sam linebacker only sort of short snap count, Sam linebacker against base personnel, but he's playing good enough football that it's hard to keep him off the field. He had 13 tackles and a sack in this game, a great sack too. that sack strip. He made when blitzing there where he fought around the running back blitz and got his hand on the football. It's phenomenal efforts from Sioni Taki Taki in this one. Martin Emerson, a really great game. MJ Emerson, he went nine tackles in this one, had a couple pass breakups. What you like to see at young, no fear getting down in people's faces. Uh, Deion Jones had five tackles, four for Delpit, four for Taven Bryan. You're looking at sack totals. Miles Garrett had one and a half sacks, a deflection that led directly to an interception. Deion Jones had a sack. Taki Taki, I mentioned earlier, had a sack. They had five total sacks in this game, a half a. Another half a sack that was split with Taven Bryan between miles. But but, but again, like, in the interception, A.J. Green, great play, great tip catch. I, I, I can't speak highly enough about what the defense was able to do. They were able to take Joe Burrow out of his comfort zone for most of this game. And really, like the, what we talk about all the time is if you're going to blitz four, you need to give them an extra beat or two to get home. And they did that for the most part. They confused Burrow more often than not on his first read, made him hold on to the football. The Browns abused the Bengals' young left tackle, Jonah Williams, who I'm starting to have questions about his long-term viability, uh, the the former first-round pick out of Alabama. Um, So that was the ticket. Can you get pressure on Joe without blitzing a ton? Can you give their wide receivers situations they're uncomfortable down in their face? And can you make Burrow have to put the eyes down for a split second to avoid the rush? And they did all of that. I should mention, too, Isaiah Thomas... Uh, I, I'm remiss for not giving him credit. He had a fantastic swipe of the hands, turn the corner sack on burrow uh, across in Brown's territory. It was a huge sack to to push Cincinnati back uh, at a key moment when I think the the Bengals ultimately missed a field goal right before half, and the Browns got it back. We'll cover that in a little bit, but but isaiah thomas if 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 Alex Wright, who got plenty of snaps inside outside, he's had moments this year, the young third round pick. And in the late round Isaiah Thomas pick, if those two can become real, they need it badly. So those two making plays is, is great to see. Can they, can they continue to make strides? I was so encouraged by that pass rush rep from Thomas. So anyway, that wraps up the stats. We're going to come back and kind of talk through the play by play about big moments in this game. And then, and then we'll put a wrap on this one. Cause again, such a fun, fun effort all around. So we're going to take one break and then we will be right back. So as we flip through the script of the game, I like to go through it play-by-play play a little bit here and talk through moments and what happened and why it might have happened. Again, we get more detail, as you guys know, from our comprehensive breakdowns that we do where we re- re- re-watch the film. But it's okay, in my opinion, to go through this and talk through some of it. So the first play of the game after the, the Bengals brought the kick out for 16 yards to their own 40, I still am so befuddled why teams are bringing the football out of the end zone and how often that leads to negative yardage to... So, you get it at the twenty-five. Just take it. Stop bringing it out of the end zone. But anyway, uh, the Browns have for some reason twelve men on the field first play of the game. I think that you're probably looking at the, across the field and trying to gauge whether they're in base or, you know, eleven or twelve personnel. And then when they do, you don't bring a guy off. Like that's my best guess. Is because the Browns you got to understand that the Browns take a DB off and put a DB on based on nickel or base, and there just must have been some confusion about what was going out there based on what the Bengals were trotting out there, and it led to too many guys on the field. I haven't really rewatched the replay to see if somebody was running off. I don't recall that, but maybe they broke the huddle with too many. I think they probably broke the huddle with 12 and then somebody ran off. You can't break the huddle with too many guys. It's really fr- – I mean, it's unacceptable to have your first play defensively to have too many guys in the huddle, so – you you can't really excuse that. Anyway, the Bengals kind of go down the field. They they pick up some first downs. They get a third and five completion for twenty six yards. That back shoulder throw I was talking about earlier. They get them to third and seven. Again, another completion. A tough catch by Tyler Boyd. But then the next play is a little RPO stick where they're either they're reading that invert defender. They have them open, but again, hero play by Miles Garrett gets the hand up, knocks it in the air. It kind of scoots past the slot receiver and Emerson picks it off. Browns do a great job coming out, right? They come out of this thing six yards, next completion. It's a run for six for for Chubb, a little duo up the middle. They throw a ball to Mike Woods for six yards, first down. Then they hit a big shot, play-action throw, 37 yards. But this is where things kind of go sideways. The first play they run for one, second and nine they run wide zone, and the Bengals call perfect blitz into a Jesse Bates off the edge. And when Jesse Bates is off the edge, that sends – Um, you know, Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson, their, their D end inside Jed grabs him. It's a hold. So now you're at second and 19. I think Jacoby missed a guy open over the middle of the field on that second and 19 ends up being a coverage sack. And then you check down and you're kicking a 54, 53 yard field goal. That's blocked. Now I think some of that stuff, there need to be guys who do a better job of anchoring inside gaps on these kick, these, uh, field goal tries. But distance stuff, your kicker still has to get the football up, and I felt like that one came out pretty low. I'm going to rewatch it more, but based on what I saw from his 55-yarder, which came out with a much better trajectory and plenty of leg before half, I thought that one was kind of on the kicker. So the Bengals get it right back at the 43. They hit a couple plays. They get it to third and 10. They complete an 11-yard throw, a tough throw and catch by Burrow to the left sideline to Tyler Boyd. But they get it again, third and 10. They get a sack. Miles Garrett hits a little inside spin move, which has not happened enough. That inside spin move was great. Get the football back, fourth and 18. Browns run out at there, 31. Hit David Bell for 13 yards over the middle. They run a trick play. Again, that trick. Put it this way: Whenever trick plays are bad, they're ugly, and everyone's like, "Well, why would you do that?" Well, I get, I get why you would be frustrated because the outcome was bad, and trick plays having a way of looking especially terrible when they go sideways. I think that you could question, in my opinion, you could question the scheme of it, the look of it pre snap with Mike Woods as the deep back and Nip Chubb sort of offset right. You could kind of trigger that something was going on, um, but I think they probably, like in my opinion. It's just me. They ran that play all week. They felt good about it. Cooper threw it well enough. Now Cooper ragged on himself after the game and said, that was just terrible. I was absolutely terrible throw by me. Never have me throw another pass again. Like I get it, but they wouldn't have just thrown that play together today. They've run it all week. Cooper's thrown it fine. They felt comfortable with calling it. The Bengals just did a nice job. Logan Wilson came shooting through the backside. I don't think Cooper saw him shooting through the backside. And um, when he went to throw it, had no clue he was going to be hit. And obviously, the ball flutters and lands short. They had woods running up the sideline with a good throw. wouldn't have been an easy throw, but would have been a good throw would have completed that thing and it'd had a huge play. so I get it but but like it's zero zero at that point. You've come out and stalled on a drive. You think you can hit a trick play for some cheap yards the The results of it suck, but I get what they were trying to do to jump start jolt the offense that has been. Pretty slow the last few weeks at times. So it didn't work out. It sucks. But again, I'm not going to be that mad about it because what did the Browns defense do? They responded. They got him to third and eight. Uh, at third and eight, held him to a four yard catch. They end up punting it right back. So Cleveland gets it back again. A uh, couple plays they go again. I, I this the tough that's a little stuff that's a little tough is the negative run, the run stuff. I didn't think the Browns ran it particularly well. A lot of one zero, negative one-twos and those early down rushes. I didn't love their run game efficiency. Ultimately they were running the ball a lot because they were up late in the game and you tacked on some rushing yards late, but I didn't think efficiency was their name of the game this week in the run game. So they get it to third and seven, uh throw a dig route to Amari Cooper that it looks like Cooper catches in real time, but when you go back and watch it, the ball squeaks through. This is what uh, somebody made a great point on Twitter, and I, I don't remember who, and I'm sorry for not remembering who, but they said that's a ball Donovan Peoples-Jones usually catches because, you know, Cooper is not always the best fit for low throws. It's just not his M.O. He's route run technician he is a uh, ball-tracking savant. like He does those things well. But I think what makes Donovan Peoples-Jones really special and why he sort of fits with that uh, risk-averse type of Jacoby Brissett where he can go down and get throws low where he's kind of been short-armed and things like that is like Cooper... Sorry, Peoples-Jones doesn't separate very well. He's one of the worst separators in the NFL. But anything high... He can go get anything low. He digs out exceptionally well. Things outside of his frame he makes plays on. He's got flaws. He's not twitched up all the time coming out of breaks. He certainly is not always the best, uh, sorry, most adept at creating uh, two-cut separation, but he does a great job of catching difficult throws, and it's why he's an especially good backside dig runner and will be really good with Watson in that regard too. But he has helped Brissette several times on some of those low types where he's just sort of dug that football out. But anyway, the Browns punt it back, and again, we're midway through the second quarter here, still 0-0. The Bengals, 3-and-out again, get it to 3rd-and-2, incomplete pass, broken up by Emerson, 4th-and-2, so they're punting again, so you're down inside 10 minutes now. And this is where the Browns start to really put a good one together, right? They go uh, 1st-and-10, they get only 2 they go three, so two early down runs, but then they hit a 29 yard shot down the right sideline to Amari Cooper. Where I do think if you re watch it, and we will on Chalk Talk this week, they got away with a holding call on that one as Brissett sort of held on to it an extra couple of beats. Uh, I'm not sure if that was the running back in protection. I actually think it was, but a late edge guy got around the corner, and the only hope was to grab him. And I couldn't, I turned to my wife and watching the game, I said, that's coming back. I couldn't believe they didn't call that one. But we'll take breaks where we can get them, right? First and 10, 8-yard run, 4-yard run. Run for no gain at the 32 of Cincinnati on first and 10. Second down throw for 6 yards, third and 4 now, down inside 6 minutes left. Uh, they throw a deep ball, 18 yards, nice little back shoulder throw down the left sideline. You guys probably remember this one to put the Browns down at the 8-yard line of Cincinnati. A great throw against press man coverage. That little shock-wide uh, shock fade from the slot the shock is the concept they call it a some people call it a y some people call it an h fade uh that that you you read pre-snap you're getting man-to-man coverage you know you can make that throw as a good ball so they come out what do they do they get a little fun here right nick chubb direct snap uh after the first and eight five yard run it's second and three at the cincinnati three uh, motion the quarterback out wide and i thought that there could be a fun play call here where they almost call that like Full chub something, you know, you could call it something fun in the backfield. (laughs) You could just get goofy with it, and I thought it was a really fun little rink. All they did was run wide zone blocking and just direct snapped it to him, and he found a crease and gets in the end zone. The fun thing is that too many men on the field back in Cincinnati's side, as they break the huddle, the Browns get a chance to move it up to the one-yard line, and on that little um, uh, goal line situation, the Browns run a nine. I think they ran nine lineman, and that was the play where down the line, uh, James Hudson ripped down the line in motion and just absolutely destroyed the overhang linebacker. I heard that the Browns were in the locker room uh, when the, when it broke open to the media and the uh, offensive linemen were kind of huddled up watching that replay on Twitter. It's just pretty funny to think about those guys going through it, uh, watching it. But it was a mean, gruesome block. But anyway, the Browns go up eight nothing. So now we're in the a, in a crucial what do they call that? The eight minute stretch, four minutes outside of halftime, and the next four minutes after halftime. You got to win those. Win those moments, right? So the Bengals come out. They get a first down on the first play. It's a 16-yard catch. Then they go four yards, seven yards. So it's now second and six uh, in in this situation um, after they get the four yards. Then they go second and six and get seven. So now it's first and ten, and this is, the, this is a huge play. Taki Taki creates the strip sack. Uh, the Browns take over on that fumble recovery at the Cincinnati 47 out near midfield. Run a play, 13-yard gain for Chubb. First and 10, they go three yards, then they get a false start. I think that was Pharaoh Brown that jumped on the right side. Troy Aikman was trying to give him hell about, well, you can't... Well, the Browns do that all the time. They're, they're a can team. They're a two-play call. Quarterback can call what he wants to call. You probably heard them call that gopher call one time. They just keep it one word simple. If you want to go back, they'll rewind it. They'll give a can call if they can run the first play that they called in the huddle. Can, can, can. You hear it all the time. Actually, sideline audio is great in this game. But anyway... That false start puts it back to second and 12. And this is where I got really frustrated. So the Bengals said, let's try to get these guys out of field goal range. The first time they come out, they're showing zero across the board. And you want to hear two professional quarterbacks talk about it? Listen to the Manning cast. They show zero across the board. That's cover zero. That means DB's lined up over who they're going to cover and at some distance, about 10 yards off in stop coverage, where they're not going to retreat, they're going to play forward, because they're mugging seven guys up front and trying to manipulate protection. They get a free blitzer at Jacoby on second and 12. Nobody touches him, he does a good job of pump faking it, and actually throws a pretty good ball on the slant to Amari Cooper that fits in a window between a dropping uh, interior D lineman and the coverage. It could have been caught, uh, should have been caught, but it wasn't. Okay, So you saw that look. Have a plan. I prefer the ability to check into a wide receiver tunnel screen. There are ways to beat this coverage, right? Quick hitting, now throws, like the Packers do this all the time. They're showing zero look. They're playing off zero coverage. Catch it, whip it out wide, and let your receiver go one-on-one with the corner to beat him with nobody to support him. There are ways to beat this with quick screens and quick throws, but the Browns felt unprepared for it the third week in a row. Remember, go back and watch the New England game. Two interceptions happened in that game off of seven-man pressure, six or more pressures in mug fronts. The the Ravens tortured the Browns last week with sim pressure, mug front stuff. They have manipulated protection. And then the third down play, which leads to the fumble, if you watch it, they shift Jesse Bates one side to the other. And you can see that, that uh, the first time Bates shifts from left to right, Kareem Hunt switches sides too, like he's supposed to take him. But the Bengals know what the Browns' pass protection rules are, so they shifted back to the other side Bates, snapped the football, Uh, And they shifted right and that put the running back chasing who he thought was going to come off the edge, but they brought an extra man to that left side. And by bringing that extra man, instead of staying inside to take the extra man unblocked, uh, Hunt's eyes are wide on Bates coming looping around the edge and never sees the inside guy until it's too late. So I'm going to try to do my best to decipher how the Browns are protecting against these things this week because it's been such a problem the last three weeks that I expect more teams, especially Miami and especially Buffalo to do these mug fronts, to confuse protection and, and, and force Brissett to struggle. The Browns in the bye have to come up with answers for what I think defenses are going to throw at them. But that was a huge mistake, a missed block quarterback tries to throw it late. It actually, is he pump fakes, it gets knocked out. They rule it a fumble, so Brissett's a little fortunate in that regard in terms of an interception number, but it nonetheless was a fumble. But the Browns do such a good job here. So they, the Bengals get it, and they get a 1st and 10 play for net, for no gain. 2nd and 10 is a deep throw to Hayden Hurst, 21. I uh, actually didn't get to watch that play live. I'll need to go back and watch it with the All-22. They get 5 things, but this play, it's 1st and 10, sorry, 2nd and 5 from the Browns, 25. This is when you get that swipe sack from Isaiah Thomas where he Swipes the hands of Jonah Williams down, turns the corner, and lays into Burrow, and they lose nine. So now it's back to the 34 instead of up near the 25 or closer, and that means Cleveland gets them to third and 14. It's a check down to Pirine for six yards, so now it's from the 28, and it's a 47-yard field goal instead of a 40, 39, 38-yard field goal. McPherson, and the journey of kicking successfully in the NFL, a guy who was so hot, through the second half of last season, getting all the praise in the world for his playoff performances, missed an extra point, missed a 47-yard field goal in this game. It's so rare. This is when you know it's going to be a good night for the Browns, when opposing kickers miss field goals. And I should say, too, the Taki Taki fumble, the uh, uh, forced fumble, it looked like the Bengals initially recovered that, but it somehow scored away. So there's some fumble luck and some kicking luck. They needed it. They got it. So so miraculously after that tough fumble, the Browns get the football back with 40 seconds left, hit a quick little drop down to Kareem Hunt on a check down for 12, hit a nice curl to David Bell at 14 on a three-man route concept. They run, love to run that stick stuff, sit down in the middle of open coverage. So all of a sudden they're in business, get it down to the 37. They don't end up making anything of it because they spike it on first, second down, Jacoby's kind of stepping up, moving to his right, trying to throw, can't get it off, but does incomplete it. So there's nine seconds left. They just take that little. What teams like to do with nine seconds left, no timeouts, teams guarding the sideline, is they just want to make sure the kick is the last play of the half. So they'll hold it and kind of chuck it out of bounds. Four seconds left. Cade York drills a 55-yarder, and that's your half. 11-0, right? 11-0, Not the best outcome given what the Bengals gave the Browns a couple times, but the defense is playing well. And you could see that the offense was starting to have something click. And really Cade making that 55-yarder was a big momentum boost coming into halftime. They needed it. Up 11-0. Certainly game very much in balance, but a huge moment in that game, especially to get that kick to go through and get some trust again. This is where it swings, everybody. They come back out and put together an eleven-play drive that includes runs of five and four. A run from uh, from Nick Chubb. Brissett gets a run of three on a third and one, which was weird. It was a sneak. Like the Browns thought they got that first down on second and five. Then they run the sneak that looks like it got stopped, but somehow Jacoby's kind of able to wiggle through and pick up the first down. I it was weird. I can't believe they didn't blow that dead. But nonetheless, they get three from Jacoby on that sneak. Um, a first down, no gain run. Kind of common theme a short pass to make its uh, third and seven. So here's where the drive kind of hangs in the balance. And Brissett does such a good job, has good pocket, good time to throw on third and seven. He pump fakes the original decision he wanted to make. And then as he pump faked, it kind of shifted the camera, fooled the camera guy. And then they came back, he hit Jacoby, or sorry, Jacoby hit Donovan Peoples-Jones, 26 yards. I'm going to look at that route concept, but it looked like some sort of tiered levels concept with a corner, a skinny corner, uh, almost pylon route and then a, a sort of hard-cut hard, uh, hard cut corner there from um, Peoples-Jones that came open late. But that was huge. It pushed the ball from their own 40-yard line all the way down to the Cincinnati 34, and then you're rolling. But again, they put themselves into third and six again. So, right, they had a one-yard gain, three-yard gain. That's what they're trying to avoid, and sometimes the run game, and this one was not efficient, third and six, and then they get a huge gun run. I'm pretty sure they just ran split zone, and popped it out the backside of split zone with a little misdirection chase where the guy's following the tight end running that split course across because they're in man-to-man, and that leads to popping open a backside alley, and it was a huge 21-yard run all the way down to the Cincinnati 9. They run one play for six yards, right? Get it down to the three-yard line on that first run, and then Michael Dunn, again, a lot of Michael Dunn eligible in this one. They're going to continue to do that, especially if they're down a tight end And then play action, Jacoby comes off the play action, was trying to hit the long cross to Cooper on the opposite side, didn't get to it, but does a fantastic job scrambling, getting into the end zone. All of a sudden, you're looking at an 18-0 game, and the the feel of it is completely shifted. I mean, the Bengals don't even touch the rock until 8-57 in the third quarter. They haven't had it for a while. Offense is really cold. The Browns come out, hold them to a third and six. What happens on third and six? Another well-drawn-up scheme. But this time the pressure is a little unique. But not only is the pressure unique, it's something they've run. They do this long stunt where they send in tackle crash and loop around. But they actually got the quarterback to hold on to the football for a split second, right? So you get that stop. You get them, uh, You get the football back after the Deion Jones sack. You're, you're really dealing at this point, feeling good. It's uh, inside seven minutes left. You put one more drive together. You're at that point where it's 24-0 25 nothing you're feeling you I mean that's foot on the throat that's ball game over the Bengals will have to score four times in the fourth quarter touchdowns to win the game so Browns get it back they get it back at their 40 they move one play is negative again consistently a thing uh, you've heard me say several times now the run game early down stuff struggle but the second down throw is a uh, pass over the middle to, to Peoples-Jones, have to see that concept when we get the wide film. First and 10 again, first down run, no gain. I'm not complaining, but again, something that people don't want to talk about all the time is putting yourself in second and longs and third and longs because you're committed to running so much, you can frustrate even your own team. But then they get a nice Kareem Hunt run on a draw concept. They like to run that long draw where they release the guard into space. If they get the right, they like to run that draw to the shade and the, and the wide nine because it gives you a nice bubble to create room for the guard to pass off to the center on the shade, and then the guard can climb to the second level. So that's a 15-yard gain, a unique little run concept. But again, first down, run for no gain. So three straight first and tens have gone for three carries, negative one yard. that's frustrating, but they overcame it in this one. A huge throw by Cooper off uh, by Brissette to Cooper off play action. He took a shot when he delivered it, but it was a fantastic throw. And when the Bengals started creeping one guy down in the box, that's safety. That indicates to me some play action opportunities are there yo. So they took it. That throw gets it all the way down to the Cincinnati seven, on trots, Michael Dunn. Kareem Hunt left tackle for three yards, second and four from the four. Nice little stutter fade by Amari Cooper. Catches it, gets the feet down on the bobble. Touchdown, 24-0 after the extra point. So again, Browns are rolling. Sorry, 25-0 at that point. Now it's just icing on the cake. I mean, the Bengals put up some garbage time stats. He had a couple touchdown throws. One touchdown to start the 13-yard touchdown to Tyler Boyd that started the fourth quarter. Capped nine-play, 73-yard drive. I don't know what... It was almost like John Johnson went braid dead for a moment. He was he forgot it was cover two or something, but you can see Martin Emerson down playing the shallow route, and that releases Tyler Boyd up into the corner, and John Johnson doesn't even see him. Results in a touchdown. That makes it 25-6. Browns come back out, uh, run the football. I mean, again, they, they make some big plays. The biggest play in kind of putting this away in the fourth quarter after they uh, you get a six-yard run, two-yard runs, third and two. You get Kareem for 10 uh on a on a third and two which was nice to see and then you get a first down negative one second down two so you're putting yourself third and nine and Brissett rips off a 53 yard throw down the left sideline i mean i didn't mind the risk to take you're up big at that point try to take a shot and it was just so well tracked by amari cooper coming down with that football working back inside von bell's safety help as uh dax hill the youngster they took in the first round trying to play corner the bengals lost cheeto Awuzie, and they were down some guys at corner so they were really struggling but that was a great play to take advantage of that one the first down from the Cincinnati 11 they have a no gain sounds familiar but second down they continue to run it they go 11 yard touchdown on a uh I think it was just a power concept I don't think it was anything crazy I'll have to rewatch it but it wasn't anything crazy very simple concept it is a 11 yard touchdown run and it's 32-6 and like I said the Bengals go five plays 75 end up with the 41 yard push off touchdown. I thought it was a push off. Maybe you guys didn't, but uh, T Higgins catches that one and then the Browns kind of just run it out from there. It's over. So, um listen, uh, that's a wrap for this. There's so much good here. I want to break it all down for you tomorrow, talk player grades, talk everything around it, but you deserve a victory Tuesday. We have all been through a grueling month. I hope some of you who have gone away from the pod cuz you're tired of hearing about the Browns or talking about anything around them, I get it. Hopefully you guys come back. Hopefully, you enjoyed recapping this one mentally, talking through the game, talking through stats. If you care enough to know about individual performances, what I see on film, all of that will be available, and talking about strategy and all the things that both teams brought to this game and the comprehensive breakdown you will get tomorrow. So, I appreciate you guys hanging around, checking this show out like crazy. Always appreciate that very much. Um, uh, you know, especially staying up late, it's almost 2 a.m. I try to get this recorded. I didn't, somet- sometimes I'll just post the OBR's post game show. I don't want to talk about it again, but I really wanted to give this a fresh take, remove myself, rewatch some bits and pieces from the TV angle, and provide some insight. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, again, Victory Tuesday. Soak it in. Enjoy your day at work and with your family, whatever it is you're up to. It's nice to see your football team win a game, and they're, they're hanging around. They're teetering on still being able to make something of this season uh, as the odds are stacked against them when they come out of the bye. But we get a good bye week, a good off Sunday again. Uh, to feel positive vibes around the Browns as they get healthy in the bye week. So 32-13, your Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals, continuing the trend as Joe Burrow is 0-4 against the Browns. Uh, they they have fared very well. The Bengals are 0-3 in the division. Browns have now two wins in the division and uh, can be in pursuit of Baltimore if some things go their way coming out of the bye week. So all good vibes. Plenty of great stuff coming up this week and into the bye week coverage. Appreciate you guys very much for stopping by, checking out today's episode. Again, Victory Tuesday. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Thanks for thanks for stopping by. Continue to check out the OBR's content this week. There'll be so much good stuff up, including Chalk Talk. If you're a viewer of that, the live show Chalk Talk stuff, we're going to move that to Thursday this week because of the weird schedule. So check that out Thursday night. Thanks, guys. Have a great Tuesday. Go Browns.